Welcome back to the Where You're Planted podcast. I'm your host, Molly McManamy. Apologizing in advance for the way that I sound today. I am just praying that I get through this without sneezing or some other like annoying bodily function. Um, but I did not want to reschedule or miss out on today's episode because I'm really excited about the topic that we are going to discuss today. Um, it is definitely something that I think uh, leads people to lead the church or feel uncomfortable in church. And it's an area where I think the church in general and Christians in general can improve on how they treat people, the rhetoric around it, just generally reframing the way that we see this. So I have my friend Joel Adams here. Hello. Hi, Joel. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? We'll know in about an hour. <laughs> good I'm enough good. to be here to talk about this. So exactly. We're going to talk to Joel today about getting divorced and specifically getting divorced as a believer in the church and in the church community. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's one of those things that's, uh, I think when we were texting earlier, it's just like, it happens more often than I think most people realize. What's the statistic now? Do you know? It's like, I, I know have, it's always around 50%, right? So yeah, I mean, I guess nationwide it's around 50%. I don't know what it is in the church, but I think it's... Um, I think there's a bunch of factors with that, which we can probably get into, but I think it's still one of those things. It's uh, pretty taboo, I think, in the church. Yeah. Even though it's like the unsaid, unspoken scarlet letter, it feels like. Yeah, no one comes out and says, like, I hate divorce, or if you're divorced, you're a terrible person. But it's more like the nonverbal, kind of the way you're treated. It's similar in some regards to being single at a certain age. Oh, sure. And you're obviously experiencing that aspect of it also. Right. Yeah. But it's like there's something like the church is just kind of obsessed with marriage. And that's not a bad thing. Marriage is wonderful. God loves marriage. Mm-hmm. We know that. But things happen and humans happen. Sure. And humans are imperfect. So marriages are going to be imperfect. And unfortunately, they're are so many instances where people get into it and maybe don't know exactly what it entails or people change, um, people's beliefs change. Um, so it's, it's not in my head or in my heart inherently wrong. And I hope that today's conversation will make someone feel more comfortable if they are divorced or maybe considering it and are in the church community. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I think it's, um, it's one of those things that I think it's lack of preparation leads to more divorce yeah. than anything else. And uh that's that's a good way to put it. I'm excited to unpack that. <laughs> it's a lot to unpack. So just for context, because I do think it's important because you were not just going to church, but you used to work in the church, correct? Yeah. So I was a youth pastor and college pastor for 14 years. Okay. Where is it was it here in Vegas? So I was here in Vegas, just outside of Vegas. Um so yeah, when I was pastoring and so you were young then when you were doing that oh yeah I was really young so I actually got married the day before I turned 21 oh wow and then I started ministry about four months later so how long did you know your ex-wife before you guys got married uh for two years I believe two and a half years and did you guys meet in the church uh we did we actually met in a college ministry okay we were going to that's a good way to meet people, someone like that's kind of how they encourage you to meet people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a great way now, now that I'm 42, it's kind of a creepy way to meet somebody, but yeah, it was good back then. <laughs> that's funny. So you were a pastor at the time. Well, you were, so you met her before you started full-time ministry, but you were preparing to, to start full-time ministry. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And then you guys got married very young. Was she also young? Yeah. So she was a couple years old and I was, so she was 23 when we got married. Okay. 
So without having to spill all the dirty details, all of her business, your business, like what was the gist of what ultimately led you guys to decide that divorce was the right call? Um, I mean, it's such a convoluted thing. There isn't really one thing that you can yeah, nail down. That's also, It'd be really nice if it was one thing. Um, I, I think that's everyone probably can relate to that. That's either even gone through a breakup. It's usually not one thing. Right. There's a, there's a, a you know, a foundation and a barrier and a, you've piled on 40 things and then, you know, something ultimately kind of pushes it over the edge. I think um, for me in the situation that I was in, it ended up being um, where, you know, I mean, no shade on anybody, but you can, if you're not continually working on the relationship together and individually as people, then the relationship's going to be broken at a certain point. Yeah. And to own my own, to own my own stuff in regards of that is that that had been building up for a long time. Um, I think on both sides yeah. and both going through different aspects in, in that. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was sad, exhausting, frustrating, um, and you guys have, you have three kids with your ex-wife, correct? Correct. Yeah, so three girls. You have three daughters. I'm sure that aspect of it made it old, like extremely hard. Yeah. For, I mean, from, yeah, it was heart wrenching. I mean, an all, unfortunately you go through divorce and you have kids, then you have to talk about custody and what that looks like. And mm -hmm. then it becomes, you know, combative who gets what, what time and all that stuff. And when I went through, when we first got separated before we actually started the divorce proceedings, I kind of said to myself, so just a little bit of a backstory. So I was in the ministry for 14 years. In the ministry, I was very unhealthy, mentally speaking. So when I was, so when I stepped out of the ministry, um, and that's probably another show why I did, but when I did, I was having at least two to three panic attacks, massive panic attacks a week. A week? A week. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We will definitely do an episode on that. Yeah. <laughs> I actually have wanted to talk to some people that have um, left full-time ministry for that reason. I was just reading something today about teachers that leave teaching for similar reasons. Yep. And it's, it's kind of sad to see how mentally exhausting some of what's supposed to be the most rewarding professions are. And we need people in those spaces, right, but yeah. they can be very unhealthy. So you had some personal things that were going on that had you been married, whatever, you would have already been just in a bad mental place because yeah. of what you were doing for work at the time. Yeah. And so when I had stepped out, we were still um, together and living together for maybe about a year and a half afterwards. But obviously there was years of built up unhealth in the relationship. There was, you know, the cracks were there. If you could dug deep, we put on a really good show, in my opinion. Most people do, and especially so, in the church. <laughs> right. Especially in ministry and on stage. We're good. We got three beautiful girls and everything's great. And everything, you know, we get home and don't talk to each other. Um, so in that process, the moment that that we actually separated, I said to myself, I'm going to do everything I can to be as healthy as I can. So at that point, I was probably about 50 pounds heavier than I was and had been at that, you know, 250, 255 pounds. And what year was this that you guys decided to separate? So how long ago was it? Seven years ago, eight okay. years ago. So not like that that long ago. Yeah. So, um, so, I mean, the weight was one thing. Mental health was one thing. Um, and so I immediately got into, uh, got into eating healthier, um, started seeing a counselor by myself personally, um, started going to, um, celebrate recovery at our church for codependency. 
I didn't even know that was part of celebrate recovery. Yeah. It's a, I, I'd That's say, good to know. <laughs> I'd say codependency in my personal experience is the basis and through line on everything. I could agree with that. And I so that. that was by far the biggest issue that I had to go through. And ultimately that was a big part of where the, my anxiety came from. Did you have codependency issues with your wife specifically? Uh, with my wife and people in general. Okay. I, I yeah. have that tendency. I can relate from, to this. So yeah. just, just so you know, you're not alone there. <laughs> no, no. And I think it's the one thing that's really not talked about and explained effectively. Cause we think of codependent, the vast majority we think, oh, the other person is a drug addict or yeah. the other person's alcoholic. It's like, no, no. If I'm basing my feelings off of you being okay, that's codependent Whether behavior. Whether it's, and yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I struggle that with that, just being transparent and it's one of the main things that I talk about with my therapist about and started actually talking to my family about it because, and I'm so happy that I discovered it pre getting married Yeah, because I feel like I'm moving towards a much healthier version of myself already. Mm -hmm. And I'm noticing more the triggers of what leads me to start diving back into that behavior. And I'm able to practice my um, tools with like my friends and my family. So I can totally see had I gotten married at the age you did, yeah. I would have struggled through that in my marriage as well. <laughs> yeah. And I think the biggest thing, at least with codependency from my experience, and I think that uh, honestly, the, a through line, the reason I say a through line is because not only codependency, but unhealth in the church in general and Christians in general is a lack of real awareness of, of identity. Yeah, I know that you were talking about on your podcast. You said you you know no one should get married before they're thirty. I was gonna right? I was gonna bring that up today. No, yeah, I was I'm laughing, like... and I was listening, and I was like, kind of a fair point. I can understand that. <laughs> it's not a hard rule. I'll just make that clear. But for me personally, there was like this shift in searching for a healthier version of life around that age. Yeah, no, and I think the the biggest thing, the pushback that I would have because I've met people that struggle with this no matter the age. Oh yeah. And I know people 100%. that are okay. Yes. And I know people that have gotten married when they were 22 and they have the most amazing marriage. But the through line that I, I think is the precursor to that is knowing who you truly are and where your identity lies. And we all say, yes, as Christians, our identity lies in Christ, but how much of, our, of us are actually living that life? Right. And who I am as I'm speaking third person, sound like an idiot, who I am <laughs> as Joel inside, that is something that I and I allow God to define versus allowing other people and even sometimes my own expectations to define. Absolutely. And if you go into a relationship without that clear de definition, your relationship will break down if you do not find that. No, and I agree with you. I have friends who listen to the podcast and they know that I love their relationships and their marriages that did get married in their 20s. Yeah. But the difference is they are committed to their individual growth outside of their relationship growth. And they have been honest with each other, honest with me as like their friends in the struggles with that in figuring out how, yeah, I'm growing from 25 to 27 and 27 to 30, but they communicate to each other. This is how my, this is how I'm different now. This is how my needs have changed. This is how I've changed. This is what's important to me now versus what was important to me when I was 24 years old when you met me or whatever it totally. was. And seeing those examples are it's it's awesome to me because it really is not about age so much as it is that commitment to getting healthy yep. and staying healthy and finding those things that make you just a better partner overall yeah and then i think if we're not growing individually all aspects are dying 
100%. A long time ago, yeah. a mentor of mine told me, you can't coast uphill. It doesn't work that way. And that's the way life is. That's where relationships are. Yep. They're always changed. They're always defined. They're always moving. And you have to be able to grow to be able to navigate those things. No one's ever on a straight road forever. There's always a wind. There's always a bump. There's and always thank, something. Thank God we're not. Yeah. We, I, mean, I'm, I don't want to coast. I, some days it would be nice. But and there are seasons of coasting, I think. And there are seasons of growth. Um, my, my therapist, I was talking to her about marriage, and she said a lot of people get married with this idea that it's about your your happiness and the other person's happiness, which, yes, you want happiness but happiness is like kind of a fleeting emotion there's other emotions that you should be more focused on but what she said that stuck with me is marriage is about refinement it's literally the same as what we commit to with jesus when we become a christian and that's to continuously die to yourself and to like serve the other person and so if you cannot grow in the ways that you need to to be able to refine yourself it's probably going to hit a lot of roadblocks or it's not going to work. And it's, that's why I struggle with the idea of secular marriage, if you will, because if you don't have that idea and that experience that us as like, you know, genuine Christians have of constantly humbling yourself, it's going to get tough because egos are just going to get in the way and, and really make it difficult for you to constantly, like you're talking about grow individually. And then as a couple together in order to maintain something for a long period of time. Yeah, and I, and I think from so in that the idea of being as healthy as I possibly could had to be at a certain point. I said it at first. I'm like, I'm going to do this for my kids. I'm going to be as healthy as I can to the best of my ability for my kids, and that show that slowly shifted. So, I mean, it took a long time. I went through two different step studies in my in, through Celebrate Recovery, which is a year long, intense discipleship program in a smaller group setting. So I did that for two years or was involved in one and then led one right after that. You know, saw a therapist for a very long time, got as healthy as I can. You know, I do triathlons and marathons and things like that. And it's literally for my mental health. It's not because I like doing it. I hate doing it. And it's (laughs) so I don't become, when I say fat Joel, he's in there somewhere. He's always wanting to eat. But it shifted from I'm doing this for my children to I'm doing this for me. I still remember the day and where I was when I was able to look in the mirror for the very first time. I was 38 years old, and I was able to look across and see the person standing and say, I'm proud of this person. Yeah. It's funny because you saying, like, even you doing it for your kids is still a little bit of codependency. 100%. Right? It's like, oh, yeah. it sounds selfless, but what people don't realize about codependency is it's very selfish. Yes. It's, I want peace within myself, so I'm going to make sure your life is okay and I fix you so that I can be at peace at night, not worry about if you're going to be alive the next morning. Right. That's the dramatic version, but you know what I mean? Or that you're happy. And I didn't realize that Mm -hmm. aspect of it until I started doing the work. And I was like, oh yeah, this is all about me wanting to not have anxiety. And if I can control what's going on around me with everyone I love, then I won't have anxiety. But all it does is bring out more anxiety. (laughs) Totally. And that's where, you know, it comes down to, you know, going through the divorce process. Nobody comes unscathed. Yeah. I, I, I'm a child of divorce. My, uh, my parents got divorced when I was about 10 years old. Um, and now looking back, and this is why I was really excited to talk about this with you, I respect them so much for it. And it was, I, I know it was so difficult for them. It was so difficult for us. But now that I'm a, an adult and I'm 
old enough to see what relationships really are. Yeah. I know they made the right decision and I'm sure your girls, if they don't feel that way now, they will then. Because once you see your, once you're an adult and you see your parents as adults, you're like, oh, you're very different people. Totally. <laughs> How did this ever right. even work right? out? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's true. It's, um, I, I remember when I was first in the idea of going through a divorce and knowing that it was coming because I tried to work on it, tried to get us into counseling, doing that stuff. Was it like last resort for you because of the tabooness of it? I think so on a certain level. Like it was always like, okay, like, but at that point it, the ship had already sailed. Yeah. It was already, you know, and, but I, 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 def and the way I still define um, divorce is you're, you're going through a living death. Wow. Yeah. So you are going through something that you will be mourning. And if you don't realize it, you'll be mourning it for the rest of your life. Yeah. Because it's the death of the things that you've dreamed and the time and the energy and the prayers that you've put into. If we're going to be honest, since we were kids. Yeah. This is what I want my family to be. This is the life that I want my daughters to have. These are the Thanksgivings and the Christmases and the baptisms. And this, yeah, you have to mourn that future. Always. Of like, okay, everything's different now than yeah. what I thought it was going to be. And, and listen, I love and respect my ex-wife for who she is and the mother she is. I don't yeah. want to be with her anymore. And that's fine because the feeling's mutual. Why we're not <laughs> that's, together. That's awesome. But, uh, you know, it's, but there's part of me that is like, man, like that still sucks. Yeah. It's still tough because. Do you think a lot of people stay married to that idea versus the person? Oh yeah. I think absolutely. I think there's things we find excuses of why to quote unquote stay together rather than excuses and reasons on why we need to work on ourselves. Right. And why we need to look at each other and be like, okay, we're going to do this together. Or are we just going to live this existence? Right. And just which, like slowly. Which to me is so decay. much more unhealthy. Yeah. You know, for everybody. Yeah, everybody involved. And it's not just, it's not just like, I know people that are married, do not have kids and have an extremely volatile, unhealthy relationship. Yeah. And they continue doing it. And you know who it affects? Everybody around them. Oh, yeah. All the friends. Not even just marriages, I'm relationships. I'm sure you've been to, you know, house parties where you're just hanging out and having fun. And then there's some type of, and you could just tell the awkward tension is like. Or you're just hanging out and they just, like, every time you're around them, they put each other down in public. And you're just so 100%. physically uncomfortable. Yeah. And you just want to be like, guys, you need to, you like almost want to film them. Yeah. And show them. Because I think when you get that deep in, you don't realize how you are coming off or how you're behaving. Because mm -hmm. it's become so normal. And that's so sad. But. They are not, I don't think anyone's trying to be that couple. You just end up there no. slowly. Well, because we, as as people, it's better when someone else has looked like an idiot or whatever. You know, it's like going through the divorce. People come to me and say stuff or, did you know about this? Or did you see this on Instagram or whatever, oh, blah, blah, blah. And my reaction always and still to this day, listen, I know there's things that I do that she doesn't like. And there's yeah. things that. I probably don't agree with and we work it out together. And listen, I'll say this. I think we have a very healthy co-parenting relationship. 99% of the time, literally, thank you, God. It's very healthy and very good. But I always say whatever she's doing is whatever she's doing. Yeah. You know, I'm going to do everything I can to keep my side of the street clean. That's my responsibility. Her job is to keep her side of the street as and clean as possible. And the only time you guys need to like worry is when it affects your children. 100%. And if you guys, like you said, 99% of the time are co-parenting well, that probably means your co your parenting values 
line idea, up well. yeah, mm-hmm. the things you want for your kids, the standards that you have set for them are are pretty much good across the board. Yeah, I mean, and not to toot our own horn, but I will a little bit in regards of like my kids are amazing. Yeah, and I You're know every to parent's that horn. <laughs> I know everybody says that, but quite literally, you know, they're universally loved by friends, family members, yeah. teachers. I mean, uh, my youngest kid is in fifth grade. Her fourth grade teacher was moving up to teach fifth grade. And she's like, can Sydney be in my class again? I love because that. Because she wants that. So those are the kids that we've raised. And so I always say for everything that my ex-wife and I screwed up, we made beautiful, healthy children. Good kids that and are going to do good things in the world. If that's all I get out of it, then that's a win at the end of the day. My mom and dad had a rough go when they got divorced and for, so they got divorced when I was about 10, 11. And then it wasn't until I graduated college, I was 21. So over a decade, they really couldn't be in the same place at the same Mm. time. I would have two graduation parties. I'd have two birthday parties, whatever it was. And on my college graduation, I said, I'm having one brunch Whoever shows up, good for you. Come, like I'm not doing this anymore. All four of my grandparents were alive, and that's kind of what drove it for me because I was like, I know if I have two, my grandparents are going to be in different places. I want to have a photo with all four of my grandparents, and that's like special to me because yeah. I'm very close to my grandparents, or I was. <laughs> um, but they both came, and my mom went up to my dad and gave him a hug. I, my older sister, had graduated. I was graduating. My little sister was set to graduate two years later. So mm-hmm. we, we all ended up graduating college on time. And my mom said, you know what? Like we did it. Like if, if nothing else, we raised three really good kids. And from then forward, we, we had Christmas together last year, like in the same house. That's awesome. <laughs> and my mom is remarried and to, I love my stepdad my dad and my stepdad get along. My mom and my dad are not calling each other up to have drinks, just them two. But that's fine. Yeah. But when we're together, it's funny because like last Christmas, Christmas, that was the, we've spent Thanksgivings together, birthdays together. This was the first Christmas because my sister had just had a baby. Mm. Babies will bring everyone together. 100%, absolutely. So she said her first Christmas is going to be at our house around our tree. And again, whoever wants to be there, of course we were all coming. And my older sister who lives in New York even came. It was our entire family for the first time like ever for Christmas. And... My mom, all of us played um, this game that I bought and we were like literally in tears, laughing, crying. And half the time it's my mom and my dad making each other laugh. And I'm like, you guys had something in common because you were married for 13 years. And then, you you know, you, you have three kids who turned out pretty okay. So it was really cool to see them get to that point of like, and for us, it's made our like mental health and our life a lot better because we don't have to separate. Yeah. And we get to have those moments and and I publicly thank them on Facebook a few months ago cuz I just said like that is the greatest gift you could ever give me is I get to have these memories of everyone came to my house a few years in a row for Thanksgiving here, my house that I owned. I have my memory with my niece, her first Christmas, we have photos all together. I get to remember that amazing time of us laughing, crying together. Her life is not going to be marked by divorce right she just has lots of family now and that's because her my sister's husband's parents are also divorced and so she just has like 80 million grandparents a million aunts and uncles and that's beautiful to me because now we get to have those memories and and they truly are lovely they're not fake it's we it took time but like they got there and so the fact that you and your wife can already say that is amazing 
Yeah, it's it's something that I look to. Like I will say that I had the greatest example in my dad. So my dad turned 75 this year. And um, when I say the greatest example is when people ask me if I, I'm ever, ever going to get married again. And I have a friend of mine there. They always say I'm, I'm hopelessly del- or delusionally hopeful sometimes. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I, I do. I really do because I still believe in it. And my dad is the reason I believe in it. Because my dad and stepmom have, they just celebrated, I want to say their 18th wedding anniversary. I think my mom and my stepdad are like 15 or 16. So my dad was 57. Wow. When he got married. And they have the most amazing, adorable, healthy relationship. I love I love my stepmom dearly. I don't call her my stepmom. She's my mom. I say my parents are in town. They're actually in town right now. Yeah, my I, I call my stepdad by his name, but when I speak about them, they're my parents. Yeah. And I he knows like when I get married, like he's going to be involved just as much as my mom and my dad are, you know, like oh, he's, yeah. he's a parent. Yeah, and like my dad, so my dad when... I lost my mom uh, 11 years ago this uh, Thanksgiving time from cancer. Wow, I'm sorry. And my dad, um, he lived in Portland. My mom lived in the Seattle area at the time. My grandmother, my mom's mom, lived just outside of Portland. My dad literally would pick her up and drive her to go see his ex-wife when she was going through chemo and in hospice weeks before she passed away. And... If, That's a good person. If, if I am half the dad and man that my dad was and is, then my kids have a gold. Yeah. And so it's like I had the best example of what it was to be like and encouraging, loving. Like all of his grandkids love him. Like, you know, I, we were with the girls. The girls were with us. And it's like my oldest is like, when are we going to the bookstore? Because they know when they're with Papa Gary, then it is bookstore time. And so <laughs> he has things that he's done. And he's changed as a man since I first got married and had kids. So he, was, he was a college professor and super strict in regards of education. And listen, I was an athlete that could care less and just wanted to pass so I could be involved in sports. <laughs> right. That's about it, right? But like he showed me what it was to be like and how to navigate having conversations. And it wasn't until my mom got sick and until my mom ended up passing like, I found out they were having conversations about us the entire time. Yeah. That must have been really cool for you. Like yeah. obviously a very horrible time and horrible circumstances, right. but to be able to know when your mom passed away that your dad still treated her with so much love and respect had totally. to be very, very like relieving and peaceful for you. Yeah. Cause I, I do think, you know, if something happened to one of my parents, it would be similar. Even when like my, my mom's, um, dad died. That was the first grandparent that I lost. And my dad was there just like devastated. Cause he's like, my grandpa was an amazing man. And he's like, that's my children's grandfather. <laughs> like I'm right. so I know of like, they would still, they, and like you said, there's history there. Like you don't just, I think about that amount of time with someone, whether it ends or whatever, that's, that's someone that was in your life. Like as a, it, that's a fixture in your life. Totally. And then you have kids together. So of course you're always connected, but so going back to when you got divorced, okay, you were still working in the church. I was out of ministry. You were out of ministry. Point. Okay. But were you still in that same circle of people? Did you still go to the, like, were you still attending church? What oh, was yeah. your relationship like with church then? So I was still attending and I was actually, um, 
in helping at that point I was helping at the crossing kind of their college ministry just a little bit. Okay. Um, so I'd connected with the guy who was over then was, uh, one of my, uh, really good friends here in town. And so involved in helping with that. And so, and you know, we had been to three or four different churches and had been involved in working at three or four different churches in the Las Vegas area. And, I just made the statement to myself. I'm like, listen, she can leave going to this church if she wants to, but I'm not. I'm like, I know the health of this church. I know 70% of the staff members, like, for five-plus years. Yeah. I'm like, it doesn't matter. And we've talked about on this podcast, like, finding a yeah. good church is not easy. No. So when and you it's do, like, it's like, I'm I'm staying. I'm staying. I don't <laughs> care. It might be awkward when we walk by that's, each other, but it doesn't that's matter. That's powerful, too, though, because that's part of it. Yeah. is like a divorce, like whose side are people going to be on? And can we still have the same friends? Can we still have the same church? And church should be a place that still wel- welcomes you both back with open arms. Totally. And, and, and it does. I mean, you know, my ex-wife, she's involved in volunteering with baptism stuff. So she does that at our church. Okay. And That's so awesome. my kids, when she's doing that, and they're with her. She, they help. So it's cool to see my kids helping her do that aspect. With me, there's other stuff that I'm involved in that I help out with and hang out with, and and do. So when they're with me, then they're helping me do that stuff. Yeah. So those are the types of things where it's like it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, there's still the underlying thing is that our relationship with Jesus Christ is the same. Yeah. And that that's where the basis is. And that's what you want to to continuously have an example of for your kids. Right. And I think it's cool that they get to be at a church that you're both doing things at and see you both there, even if it's not through volunteering or something, just being there. I know for me as a kid, that would have been powerful. And it it was. My parents continued to go to the same church also for a while. And it was nice because I knew I would see the other parent at church on Sunday. And it was like a warm hug. Totally. It, and it and it was a little bit of normalcy for just a, an hour. Just a brief moment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like we had an event at at the church this last week, and it's like there was baptisms going on. So she was there, as yeah. we were leaving, I'm like, hey, go find your mom. She's at the baptism area. Go find her and just give her a hug. And so the, that stuff will happen, or they're with her. I feel they're like, like my inner child is like so happy right now. <laughs> Like, it's like in there, like, oh, that sounds so lovely. I mean, it's literally, it for me, it's like I'm going to do everything I can to promote their mom to them. Yeah, especially as girls. Like, man, 100%. they need to see men treat women with respect and know that that's, that's the only way we get down over here. <laughs> yeah, and any boy trying to come into my girl's life, they're going <laughs> to listen. We can be all macho about it, but I will be damned if they do not have the best example in front of them yeah and that they're gonna have to say listen if you're gonna have to get close to this guy over here yeah to to try to capture my heart yeah my dad is pretty scary in that regard he's right. not like a super large man but he's intimidating but he loves my two brother-in-laws and so at my little sister's wedding he like in his speech he's like well molly you have a high bar to reach i'm like cool yeah can't thanks. even enjoy one night <laughs> No, but it's true. And I, they have set the bar high and I love seeing my dad's relationship with them. And like, it makes me excited for the potential of a relationship with my dad and my future husband, because that is such an important thing. And so them knowing, and that that's part of why I have such high standards is just who my dad is and who my grandpas were. And knowing that I'm already fully loved by the most important man in my life. So I don't need to go you know, search for make it work or yeah. go find an example of healthy love and search for that in the wrong places. You, they have it still, even if it's not romantic between you and their mom, it's, 
it's still a there's still love there. Mutual respect in regards to like, listen, yeah. I love these children. So that I love you've you. Helped me yeah. do. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. make. Yeah. And there's no getting around. And that helping at the end you of the raise. Day. Yeah. Yeah. And, and listen, and we're still partners at the end of the day. Exactly. And the most important partnership you'll ever have 100%. in your life. Yeah. So when you started telling people that you knew from the church or, um, you know, that were in church circles about the divorce, how was the reactions? A lot of shock from some people, people who knew us more intimately, not necessarily shock, but just more sorrow. Um, uh, you know, and unfortunately, like in any breakup, I'm sure you've experienced this regular breakup. There's always the we're going to set up sides. Yeah. Like I was talking about. Yeah. And I really didn't enter entertain that game at, um, you know, I probably did a little bit. If I'm completely honest, just in regards of like, I don't feel better about myself. Yeah. She's a piece of shit. Excuse my language. But, like, you know, like <laughs> the ego is still right, there deep course, down. Exactly. Especially at the, in the, the beginning. At the end of the day, feel bad for me because I've been, I'm this amazing person. Yeah. And she doesn't know what she's lost. I think everyone listening can relate yeah. to that Ex in the break. <laughs> exactly. But there's always these things that like, let's pick up sides. Yeah. And it happens. There's friends that, um, unfortunately, that were super close or I thought were super close that I have not talked to in eight years. And there's like grieving in that, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. It's part of that, that living death. Yeah. Like that. And were and those people just, from the church? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And is that disappointing? Uh, very much so. Yeah. Yeah. It happened in twofold. So it happened when I stepped out of ministry. From a large Which group again of can be a whole other episode. We can do it. I'm I'm down for it. So it's nitty gritty. So yeah. But um, but then it happened when we were went through the separation and divorce, you know. And it then it's sometimes there's the I need to defend my name. Yeah. Aspect. I think of it, that's right? a huge part of it. And um, I just got to a point where I literally just kind of put my hands up and said, I. If you don't know who I am and my intentions and the person that is me and the person that I'm becoming, then you don't know me. Yeah. And if you are not walking in this with me, then you for sure don't know me. Did you watch This Is Us? No. Oh, I was going to say. First off, Molly, <laughs> I am a male. I'm a single male that does not have a girlfriend that says, can we watch this show together? It's amazing. I'm sure. Yes. And every, listen, and I'm going to cry. I'm a sensitive guy. Oh, you I'll would, cry. Every yeah, episode. But that's not going to happen because, <laughs> listen, unless there's a female next to me that's like, listen, I will kiss you at the end of this episode, but watch you, this with me. No. I'm probably not going to there, There's a couple on it that everyone really loved. They yeah. met like through like a, um, like for lack of a better term, it was like a fat group like a fat support group. Sure. And the male lost a bunch of weight, got a really good job, like really started bettering himself. And no one was wrong, but it kind of looked like he almost got like too good for her. And mm -hmm. I'm sure like that was some of it for you. Like you're like getting healthy and doing all these things that are good for you. So it's almost probably easier to make a villain out of you because not saying like she's no, overweight no, no, or anything, not, but no. there is something about the self-help, like sell, getting healthy, on your own aspect that I think a lot of people who, who are not healthy or happy with themselves mm -hmm. can't relate to. And so they look at it and they say, well, yeah, he just thinks he's like too good for you now or something. And I commend you for going on that journey still, because like you said, it was for so much more than just getting healthy from that relationship. But it's, it's kind of sad sometimes when you do get healthy, how the very people like people at church yep. that should be the ones high-fiving you are actually really like 
contradictory to it. Totally. And it's because they're not aware that it's just a reflection. We always are just looking in a mirror. Yeah. And if you're doing something that triggers me, it's like when someone gets sober, right? And mm-hmm. then their friend that still drinks but doesn't think they have an alcohol problem is like kind of weird about it. It's like that's because it's making them analyze their relationship sure. with alcohol, right? And sure. that's and how that, that probably was. Yeah, and, that ch- and that changed our, my dynamic with her. Yeah. Right? Because there was that. And so there was there was tension in that process of me growing um, and that process of her growing in yeah. her own healing journey in regards to the relationship. And there's, you know, bitterness and anger and unforgiveness and all that stuff that we both had to walk down that journey. Yeah. And I know where I am. I don't necessarily know where she is, but it works for the kids, right? Right. It's at that point. And that's th- all you have to worry about. Like the rest of it's her business. Right. At this and, point. I, and I still I go back to when I was talking about those panic attacks you know, April 9th, uh, 2016 was the last day I had a panic attack. Wow. Last day. And I remember the next day waking up and it was just through a process of all of it, right? Weight loss and therapy and, you know, celebrate recovery and things like that. It's, I remember going, I am not going to let these thoughts that are unhealthy define the person that I'm going to be. And so when we were going through the divorce process that was very much a combative thought and process i had to work through every single day yeah what does she think what does she feel how is this going what is this going to look like yeah. and at the end of the day it's like i need to it doesn't and matter it's totally 100 percent like a, 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 a celebrate recovery i'm going to make the next right decision yeah and doing the the best that i can and listen i still fail every day i'm a human i'm a yeah. center and it's the same thing in regards of trying to find a new relationship. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's been a number of years since I've been divorced and I've had a couple of relationships here and there, but it's like even more so it's like, what am I looking for? What do I need? And how am I the best person? I would, I will say in those relationships, I was a much more true person of who I was in those yeah. relationships. Unfortunately, they didn't work out or fortunately, I don't know. Yeah. But at the same time, I still have hope for the future, but I also know that I need to make the next right decision. You made a comment about secular relationships and I've just got to the point where it's like, listen, if we are on this journey together at the very foundation of who I am as a person, the very foundation of who I am as a person is not, uh, it's, it's not a real estate agent. It's not a marathon guy. It's not a triathlon guy. It's not a father of three girls. I was going to say, it's not it's even not, being a dad, which is not a, so it's important. It's not, you know, being follically challenged. It's not being a redhead. It's not being a twin, a son, any of it. At the end of the day, the number one thing goes down to, I am a child of God. I am made in his image. And he has chosen me. Yeah. And if I can't be in a relationship with someone who lines up at the end of the day when our heads hit the pillow, who says, I don't know where we're going from here, but he's got us. Yes, exactly. If I don't have that, then I have nothing at the end of the day. And that's that's kind of where where I feel strongly about it too, because it's it's so hard to imagine being in those tough moments and not thinking about that person going to God. And the amount of things I learned just from the things I do every week to stay healthy with God. When I read the Bible, when I go to my small group, when I go By to church. By the way, I'm totally jealous of your small group. I, text, <laughs> I know I messaged you that like a couple weeks ago. I'm like, dang, you got everybody in your small group. I know. Someone came up to like after one of my episodes, someone came up to 
I forget who it was, Cat, someone at church. They're like, are you in that group too? <laughs> it's like, we're famous now. There you go. I feel very lucky. But that actually being in that group helped me see how important it was. I'm like, you don't got to be the leader of the group. You don't have to be as eloquent as Luke or as willing to lead as Ryan or, but you got to want to be there. And not just because I'm telling you, like you have to see the value in it. And we have people in our group who don't say a lot. We have people like me who talk the whole time, but the, the common denominator is we all want to be there. And every time we leave, we are so thankful for each other. And we are so thankful for that hour and a half that we get. And it like excites me to think about someone being there with me, but also just that idea that I see how much I grow week to week with God. Mm. And I'm a, so much of a better person, partner, all those things. And I want someone else that's also doing that. And you can read all the self-help books you want. You can go to the gym all you want. Yep. But if you don't know your identity, like you are going to at some point have an identity crisis that is probably going to lead to tension between you and I. Absolutely. And if I know that you, I can bring you back to that place of reminding you are a child of God and that means something to you, we'll probably be okay. It won't be easy, but we, we will get there and we, we get to the same end point every time together then. Right. And I, I challenge you in regards of the statement you made of, if I can get you to that point. If I can get you to the point of reminding you that you're not, not like making you go to church or making you do anything. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I get, I get you. But yeah. Like if I you agree. already like have that hard, basis. It's hard navigating the idea of being 42, a father of two teenagers, one soon to be teenager, and then going, all right, jump into the dating pool. There's all of this <laughs> chaos. And I'm just the type of person, maybe I'm just like a get off my long guy, but I refuse to get on a dating app. Yeah. I just don't care. It's not I for everybody. Like, no. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, listen, I'm not going to, I can only do so much with this face. <laughs> so if you're going to judge me based off of whatever dashing picture mm. or not dashing picture I can put on a thing, that doesn't work. Personality will supersede all time. So yeah. it's like, I need to get to know somebody first. I think that's been in general. Because yeah. even like some real, like, the someone that someone everyone thinks is attractive, right? It's it, it does not even like begin to tell the story until you see their presence in person. So for me, I'm yeah. the same way. Like dating apps inherently just don't work because yeah. they're just too much about that. Yeah. And I need to see how you treat people, how you walk into a room, how do you carry yourself, how do you speak to people? Like it's just there's way too much that goes into if someone's attractive beyond a photo. Oh, totally. I think I, I think I have a pretty good idea of where I land on the spectrum. I always <laughs> say like I'm a six and a half on the look so. scale, but I'm like a nine on the personality scale. So you have to know the, the personality before. But you're it, like, I need to lead with my personality, yeah, like, not the other way around. It doesn't work, but just the picture because you're like, wow, all right. I'm well, dead. So what we got. But yeah. so the idea of entering the dating pool is it, it's scary. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's scary in regards of being like, I'm not scared of being hurt again. I'm really not. When I say I'm scared, it's just the idea of like, where the heck am I going to find somebody? Yeah. And you know, being in Vegas, it's a whole other animal. It's a whole other Completely animal. Completely different animal. Yeah. I mean, I got friends that are believers and non-believers. They're like, dating in Vegas is terrible. It's terrible for everybody. Believer, non-believer, divorce, single, parent, not like, yeah. there's a lot of, there's just a lot of different, I don't know how to explain it. Like, it's just not the, like a normal young professional scene here. Right. So there's just like pockets of, there's industry people. There's sports people now, thank goodness. Yeah, thankfully. Uh, yeah, but other than that, it's like, it's a very 
interesting dynamic of people. I so I I am with you there. Yeah, and being the being the divorced person in their early forties, it's a weird pocket in the church. Mm-hmm. Because it's the oh, you guys got married when like you know, Pastor Shane, I got you got married when you guys were like three years old. That's awesome and amazing. You've been married forever and it's been wonderful. And then you've had you have those marriages, right? Yeah. And then you have the the widowers or the widows. Right. Who God bless them, they were married for seventy five years and yep. you know, someone passed. Or you have someone like yourself who's early thirties, young professional, you're single and you always have this like Oh, you're going to find somebody this Ugh, like head tilt that pity. like I have seen it. I've seen I It's the worst at weddings. It's like uh, if yeah. you go to a wedding alone, Listen, people I, are I, like, I, so yeah. when are you going to have someone? I don't know. Why are you single? You tell me, Susan. You right. tell me. Yes. Like I hate that. I, I literally actually, had yeah, I had a conversation with a friend of mine. I'm like, "I'm not going to a wedding by myself." It's it. Why would I subject myself to that? Honestly, Joel, you're such a good guy. Well, yeah, no shit. Go tell somebody else. <laughs> I honestly never feel worse about being single than at weddings. I leave feeling yeah. horrible, but unless I like have, I'm there like in the wedding with like 20 of my closest friends, right. but I have to a lot because I have clients that get married. They're all in their young twenties getting married right now. And I love it. Cause usually I'm with other clients and, and it's fun, but inevitably every wedding, so Molly, right? Because I haven't had a significant other the entire time I've been with my company. So everyone's just kind of like, okay, when is it happening? And I'm like, guys, this is not what my life revolves around. And when people ask me constantly, it makes it so it does. And I second guess myself. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm very secure in where I'm at. Right. And most of the people asking those questions are not believers. And so when they do, excuse me, it's hard to just explain to them why I'm so intentional I'm, and why I'm not worried. Yeah. I'm you know? single because I want to be, and not like I'm dating Jesus single, which by the way is the worst <laughs> line I've ever heard. Of I've never used that. And yeah, I never yeah. planned to. <laughs> we will not be friends anymore. If you use that, I'm just dating Jesus. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> He's not going to pay for your dinner. Um, but for me, it's the idea of like, I mean, you have the industry people that you can go to. You can, in regards of going to the wedding. For mm -hmm. me, it's like if I go to a wedding and they're like, oh, you can bring somebody. I'm like, yeah, but then it's going to be like, I'm going to bring See, a friend who's a girl. And then it's going to be like, oh, weird. you guys together? No, yeah. we're not together. But we're I just don't friends even get the plus up. one, Yeah, <laughs> which would be nice sometimes. Like I told, I have a client getting married in Puerto Rico in March. And I was like, you have to give me a plus one because. <laughs> I will. I, I, I choose to because tribute. I'm like, Puerto I'm not Rico. going to a foreign country alone. And they will be busy getting married. And yeah. so I'm like, there might be other clients there. But I was like, no, that's I will go as tribute. That... We'll get separate rooms. We can sit on separate planes. It doesn't matter we'll to me. I just. Both meet spouses yeah. there. There you go. Bonus. <laughs> no, it's it, that is the one place that I go where I'm just like, guys, I promise you I'm happy. Right. And then they like, it's like that pity voice. And it's like, mm -hmm. and I think then I actually in turn for some of those people, I feel bad for them. Because mm. I'm like, if you can go to, I, I actually said this recently, if you can go to a wedding single, you are one of the strongest people out there. 100%. Because it is that space where everyone's hyper-focused on it. Yep. And again, if they're not believers, they don't really believe me. Yep. When I say like, no, 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 like everything in my life that God has done has been on his timing. And when I surrender that to him, it has been better than I expected. Yeah. And I joke that all I did was miss my first divorce. Bonus. <laughs> not getting married in my 20s. Yeah, and I think I, so I, um... I want to say maybe three or four months ago, I actually had a very big throwdown with God about this specifically. 
I like that a throwdown. Oh yeah. Okay, explain. It was an all-out, like it wasn't verbal screaming and yelling. But it, here's where it came down to: I am okay being single, but I am not happy being single. Okay, so by okay, do you mean like at peace? Right now, where God has me is single. Okay. But I'm not happy. I know that I was built and made to be in a relationship with I somebody. I think we all are, yeah. And so... Like, God wants us to do life with someone. I believe correct. that, like, firmly. And so there is a point of being, like, I know what it is to be in a relationship. I know what it is to be in a healthy sexual relationship. I know what it is to be in a relationship where at times that my ex-wife and I were on the same page in A, B, and C things, right? Yeah. Where I had a partner. So I, it's that thing that I miss. You see the beauty in it. Yes, absolutely. So that's where it's like what I said before, the delusional optimism, where it's like I know that it, that is out there. Yeah. I know that I can have that with somebody, and I am not satisfied with living this life I think single. that's okay. And yeah. yeah. That, and I to totally, not be and I, satisfied with, I don't want to call it like, Less than, because like what you have right now is everything God intends for you. But I, sure. I think God puts these desires on a heart for a reason and it's on your heart for a reason totally. and he will not not fulfill that for you. So I think it's okay because that almost means you believe him. I, well, I you know? totally believe him. And I, I, in part of my conversation with him, I was like, listen, you say in your word that you will give me the desires of my heart. Mm -hmm. And you also said that it is not good for man to be alone. Yeah. So- Currently, I am alone, and I do not want to be. Yeah. I, and so I came to the statement where I was like, either you take that desire away, mm. which you do not contradict yourself, or you provide somebody not to, quote, unquote, complete me, but to do life with to honor you. Mm -hmm. Those are the two options. And whenever that needs to happen, needs to happen. Granted, I look at my dad, he was 57. That's 15 years from now. I'm like, dear Lord in heaven, good I know. strength. But, if but that's you did it, say you love, like you love their relationship. I do. And so that's where it shows me that that can definitely happen. Yeah. And so I'm not satisfied with where I'm at. I'm at peace with where I'm at because that's where he has me. Right. And I think that that is so, not to toot my own horn in that, but that is what is so detrimental in the church post-divorce yeah because there's a certain subset right we're not single we've been in a relationship and married yeah we're not married forever but it's like this unclean yes. section over here we don't want to like, talk about yeah they the like scarlet letter of divorce mm -hmm. right and so then it's like then it's the oh you're such a good guy you're such a great dad someone would you would be I'm like, yes, I know these things. Yeah, because I, I work on need, them myself. You don't need to tell me. <laughs> I did not, like, become the person I am just by waking up one day. I did not, you know, naturally have a six-and-a-half face. <laughs> but it's the idea of, yes, I know those things. And I think because people who are divorced are so used to having that partner connection that instead of working truly on themselves and who they really need to be and who God desires them to be, they find it in somebody else very quickly in the church. Yeah. And that's why you see, at least in my experience, especially when I was a pastor, I always said, and still to this day, do not date anybody for a year post-divorce. Yeah. Because... To date yourself. To you, You need to find out the new identity that you are mm -hmm. and what God has for you because you're just going to end up in the same position three years from now. 
and God will give you the same test over and over until you pass it in the sense that you're refined the way he wants you to be so that you can enter that next space. Yeah. And I want to like go back to what you said about being like having a throwdown. And I think people sometimes think Christians, especially pastors and stuff, like we're just kind of floating through life. Like it's fine. And, and when I say it, I mean it, I'm at peace. I'm okay with it because I do know in my heart that God fulfills all of his promises, but it doesn't mean we don't have emotions that contradict that sometimes. People would be shocked at the conversations that I have with God. (laughs) And people, you know, and but it, I think God loves your honesty. Yeah, and it's like you, there's times like I'm like He I knows have no it anyway. Like, I am pissed off. Yeah. I am beyond pissed off. Mm-hmm. I am blankety blank pissed off. Yeah, and I am not happy. Yeah, and at the same time, I have chosen to live my life to serve you. So whatever you have in me isn't making me happy right now. But at the same time, there's nothing that I'm going to do that's going to force a situation or a yes, place that is going to be healthier or better better for myself, my kids, my friends, and the people that I have influenced on a regular basis. I always say like that thing I think I want that God hasn't given me yet, if I force my way into it, I would be miserable every single day. Right. And I'm not willing to do that. No. And so, yes, it's frustrating sometimes. Mm-hmm. It can be lonely. It can be sad. You can have your little pity party. But at the end of the day, you wake up every day and you say, I'm still going to choose your way. I'm going to drag my <laughs> feet, but I'm still going to do it your way because I know it's better. Yeah. And that's like, I think the difference. And I'm not upset to the point where I'm just going to settle for the first person who looks in my direction. But I want you to know I still really want this. So if you're still going to deliver it, now would be a good time. <laughs> right. And if I if I can't do that, then I'm going to get desperation breath. Yeah, right? you don't so, want that. So I'm in real estate and I tell other realtors that are having, you know, a harder time. And I'm not the best by any means, but I think I serve my clients pretty well. And I'm like, listen, you cannot have a conversation like that with your client again on the phone. Mm-hmm. You have sales breath. They yeah. know that and you're turning them off. You can sense your that number in one too. goal in life is to make sure that they are in the house and they are happy. Yeah. That's the number goal. Not your commission. That that that's irrelevant. And if that I made hundreds of thousands of dollars and I've made literally next to I've made eleven hundred dollars and then I had to split that with somebody else. So I made like six hundred bucks on a deal. <laughs> yeah. So I let the computers do the math. But I it's the same thing in dating. Mm-hmm. And it's people like, can like smell it from a mile 100%. away. You sit down at dinner, you can tell. And I still go through that as a guy. Yeah. It's like a conversation. Like I'll shoot a text or I'll you know respond to an Instagram thing. I'm like, fuck, am I coming off? Excuse my language. Am I coming off like desperate? And it's like, well, no. I'm just I'm who I am. Yeah. I know at the end of the day, I'm very much an encourager. So I'm going to encourage you. Right. And if, and if you don't coming, want that friendship, if, yeah. if you don't want that friendship, perfectly fine. I'm not offended. There's if it's other coming from a genuine place, then yeah, yeah, you should have no shame in that because yeah. the. And the right person will find you by you being you, not by you being some version of you that you think someone would want. So you have to be true to who you are, who God wants you to be. But continuously through those seasons of frustration and stuff, allow him to refine you. Because if he's saying not right now, there's for a reason. You have to refine yourself in another way before you're ready because you don't want to get divorced again, you know? So it's... I I refuse. I would rather be single the rest of my life than get divorced again. I think most people would agree with that. (laughs) And I don't think people go into second marriages thinking they're going to get divorced, obviously, unless they're They're sick and twisted. But at the same time, I know that that relationship will be defined in the dating aspect and engagement aspect of having Christ number one first, Mm -hmm. but also healthy as possible. I don't care if we're in therapy together. 
and we've been dating for two months. It's not that type of idea That's is good. not weird for me. Yeah, no, you and shouldn't so be in therapy together. I've made the statement before that it's like, listen, I'm not dating to screw around or to get laid. I don't need that. Th- that has no interest to me whatsoever. Right. I mean, physically, because I'm a human, there's interest. Right, <laughs> right. But, but like long term. That won't fulfill the, your, your heart The point needs. is, like, if we're finding out that there's long-term and there's health in this that we can move forward, then we can do that. Yeah. And at the same time, if it's push come to shove and you're done, okay. Yeah. I don't want to – I'm not going to force this relationship to stay with me to, to make it what? What are we going to do here? So right. it's, like, we need to be better together and pushing ourselves to be better. I want to be encouraging someone at the same one. When I'm doing something or I cross the finish line at a race for them to be there and be like, good job. You're an idiot. I can't believe you did another race, <laughs> but let's go have lunch. Like yeah. whatever it is. Right. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, it's like, I'm not getting divorced again. I'm, I'm just not. Yeah. Well then I hope you're willing to wait. <laughs> if, Obviously. If God wants it. <laughs> so I have two final questions. The first one is what would you tell people that are in the church, whether it's they work there, they're just churchgoers, how could they be more supportive and encouraging to people who are going through a divorce or who are divorced or considering divorce, you know? It's a good question. I didn't even prepare for that. <laughs> and I was even thinking. It takes like four people to play for me. I know what I'm going to say. Um, so I'll, I'll give you two answers to that. Okay. One is never give me the pity face. Okay. That's easy. That is the most, you say it's easy. I say easy in the sense that you kept it short. Yeah. <laughs> it's not easy. You write that down. Oh. Easy, to, easy to write that down and remember. But yes, harder to. person gives me that head tilt. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, I, I think the second thing is to realize the depth of pain and destruction that a divorce is it's a reverberating it's like throwing a stone into a into a lake it is something that will go on forever and ever and ever and for a very long time Mm -hmm. and it's not when the documents are signed that is not the end of the pain yeah and so that is something the ripple effect on that aspect is something that will be there for a very long time so i don't care if it's been six months a year just be like hey listen you just went through a crazy tumultuous time the last couple of years. How are you processing with that? Yeah. If we are, as Christians, not checking with each other how we're doing on a regular basis, we are doing a disservice not only to each other and ourselves, but we're doing a disservice to Christ, in my opinion. I, I read a book by Sheryl Sandberg, the COO of Facebook, um, called Plan B, and it's about grief. Yep, and, I read it. Yeah, and she says you should say, how are you doing today? Mm-hmm. Not how are you? Because if you see someone at church, you say, how are you? They're just going to say, good. If you say, how are you doing today? Yeah, because no one wants the real answer. Yeah. Then it's really awkward. Actually, I'm terrible today. I wanted to beat my children, but I realized it was against the law, so I didn't. And then it's like awkward pause in the hallway. But that allows them to tell you in this moment, today is hard. I'm struggling today. Instead of, oh, it's fine. Because, yeah, I mean, they're alive, so they're fine, right? So if, if divorce is like grief, then I think that can be applied as well for people just like really hone in. How are you doing right now? Um, the last question, and then we can close out, is how would you encourage someone who is contemplating divorce right now but nervous about how the church will receive it? How the church will receive it does not matter in the spectrum of everyone's health involved. Parents, kids, brothers, mm-hmm. sisters, friends. Um, and... 
if you are thinking about it, you've already gone. We're talking step J. You know your answer then. And, yeah. Not, and it's not necessarily divorce. Yeah. But you need to sit down with your spouse and say, we're either doing this together, which means we are fighting together, not against each other. Yep. Or we need to do this in the healthiest and safest way possible to provide the least destruction that this is already going to cause. Wow, that's a bar. And so the idea of marriage, I don't know if you've seen the movie Forrest Gump, but there's a moment when they're both in Viet, when they're Viet, forces in Vietnam with Bubba and it's torrential downpour. And Bubba looks at Forrest and he says, if I lean up against you and you lean up against me, it means we don't have to fall asleep with our heads in the mud. Mm -hmm. And there are so many times that that is marriage. Yeah. And if you are on the edge of talking to a lawyer or thinking that it's over, just realize that your partner might be the person that you can lean against so you don't have to spend the rest of your life with your head in the mud. Wow. Oh, mic drop. End on that. All right. <laughs> no, that was really good. Um, thank you so much. Thank I know you. it's a, you know, weird, difficult topic to, to talk about, but I know it's going to bless someone. So thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me. I hope it does. Of course. As, us as usual, I got through the whole thing without sneezing, but I can't speak now. Uh, <laughs> please like, subscribe, rate, review all the things on the platform you listen on. It helps reach more people out there that need to hear it. Um, you can find us on Instagram at Where You're Planted Podcast. And as always, you can support us on Patreon. Or if you want to sponsor an episode, you can reach out to me via Instagram. Thank you so much.